listening to Drawn to the Flame. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another one of my first looks. But this is a slightly interesting, well, slightly odd first look, because today I'm doing a first look at the player cards of Return to the Night of the Zealot. We're looping back all the way around to where it all began. I have a glass of cool beer to aid me in this task, and we're going to dive in. As far as I'm aware, there are only 10 player cards, and here's a shocker. I don't know if this really... Well, it is a first look for me. I haven't sought out any of the cards, but I think I know all 10 of the cards. So the talents from the core set that boost stats, physical training, arcane studies, hard knocks, hyper-awareness, and dig deep, I think they're all getting an upgrade. We had announced the other survivor card, which is Rabbit's Foot, and then I'm pretty sure I've seen the other four cards. I'm not going to predict them now, but I think I know them. So this might be a really quick episode, but to sweeten the deal a little bit, I'll have Peter joining me on the line a little bit later on. He's already got some interesting thoughts, a little segment that we'd like to call Peter's Perspective. And then we've got a few kind of community announcements and things like that, so listen out at the end of the episode for other things we've got going on. Right, let's dive in. No more faffing. The first card is physical training. We knew about this. So it might be that if if it is all of those talents, maybe I've just got one point to make about them and we'll see what it is. This is now a zero cost asset. It's gone down in cost by two and it's two XP. It has two willpower icons and two combat icons. It's talent traded and it says spend a resource, you get plus one willpower for this skill test and spend a resource, you get plus one combat for this skill test. Now, with all of this, we've got to bear in mind the environment that the return is entering, which is, I'm going to call it return, by the way, rather than return to Night of the Zealot. That seems complicated. So the environment that return is becoming a part of is obviously that we're two cycles deep into Arkham Horror. But this product is something that's enhancing the very first product of the game, the core set. So it's only upgrading core set cards rather than things that have come out in later cycles, which is fine. And it's therefore got to find cards that haven't had upgrades already in the core set. So a really easy fell swoop is to do all of the talents. If Return is the kind of box that you buy second after having bought the core set, you started to dip your toe and you sort of want more options, but you're not ready to commit to a deluxe and six Mythos packs. I can see how having just a few more cards in your collection could enhance deck building a bit. And also I can see where a card like Physical Training would then fit in with that. The two cost reduction is decent. The fact that it gets extra icons means it's a good card to commit if you've invested the XP putting this in your deck. And then the boost is exactly the same. But whereas with the level zero version of physical training, you're paying that investment of an action and two resources just to be able to spend further resources to boost the two stats that it boosts. With this, you're only spending the action. I think that that is fairly significant as an increase. Actually, weirdly, the comparable thing I would say is the step from pickpocketing to pickpocketing level two. Pickpocketing level two still costs the same two resources, but because it's fast, it feels like a much better investment to just get it down. It's It's not affected your tempo in the same way. If you're into kind of click economy discussions of cards, spending an action and two resources for a card is essentially spending your turn for that card. And then you're waiting for it to start paying off for you. So it's pretty expensive. But if you're only spending an action for a card and the 2 XP, it's potentially good. For physical training itself, the more rich guardians we see, 
the more reasonable this will become. That's, I think, the the simplest way of looking at it. These cards hinge on your investigators being able to produce enough resources to make them worthwhile. If you're unable to do that by either having a really good resource engine or by running a really cheap deck, these cards don't make the cut. So when I run a survivor deck, say, uh, no, it doesn't have to be a Dark Horse deck, but if it's just a deck where everything costs one or two resources, or a min deck as well, where everything costs one or two resources, I won't include any talents because I'm not going to spend my resources on them. And I won't include things like Emergency Cash or Dr. Milan. I'll just accept that I won't have very many resources and I'll exist at that level, at that sort of band of resources. But Guardians aren't normally like that. So it would be interesting to see if this can sneak in. Okay, let's not get too bogged down. The next card, this is one I know as well. It was um, spoiled to me, unfortunately. This is Dynamite Blast. It is now a four-cost event, so it's saved a resource. It's two XP as well. It now has willpower and combat icons. So it used to only have a willpower icon. Let's see what's different about it. It's tactic traded, so it can be on stick to the plan. Choose either your location or a connecting location. Deal three damage to each enemy and to each investigator at the chosen location. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Now, I think that is a quite startling improvement to the card. I'm sure we could argue about whether it's a 2 XP improvement, but the cost reduction is decent. Five cost is really painful. The extra icon is fine, I would say. It's nice to have a combat icon because normally people running Dynamite Blast, if at all, are the ones who want icons to fight with and having this sit in your hand as just a willpower icon could be annoying. But the fact that it doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity is a real step up in its power. So now you can be the guardian who taunts all enemies onto themselves and then drops a dynamite blast, obviously hitting all the other investigators near you, but you don't end up taking, say, six damage, three from the blast and three from the enemies you're hitting, and however much horror, you're losing that that hit from all of the enemies before you land the dynamite blast, which I just think is, it's it's really strong. What it also means you can do, which is a slightly subtler point, is if you wanted to throw the dynamite to a connecting location, but you end up drawing an enemy, you can still do that in a way that... So, well, let's, let's do a proper example. I have been running Dynamite Blast fairly regularly, and I've seen it run a fair amount, in fact, through Carcosa. And its one purpose is for dealing with the stranger in a somewhat time-efficient manner, but not necessarily cost-efficient. The stranger pops up, you want to deal with the stranger, your seeker is busy getting clues... If the player with the Dynamite Blast can get a location away from the stranger, he or she can throw the Dynamite Blast, and that's another check mark on chasing the stranger, which is great. Of course, if you then draw an enemy, you're then trying to fight with that enemy before you can throw the Dynamite Blast, or you don't want to trigger attacks on you because you've got other things to do, and you can get sort of bogged down. So just having this as a three damage to all enemies at a location, and you're not going to get hit to do it, and take the hit yourself because you're a guardian and you don't care, I think that's nice. Peter mentioned to me that he thinks people aren't really playing Dynamite Blast and this might bring it back into people's consideration. But I think I think Carcosa definitely got it up there in people's consideration and it'd be nice to see if it, it sneaks up even more. A strong one-of, I'd say. Okay, next up is Hyper-Awareness. Zero-cost asset. Two XP. Two intellect and two agility icons. And exactly the same text as the basic Hyper-Awareness. Spend one resource, you get plus one intellect. 
for this skill test or spend one resource you get plus one agility for this skill test now this is possible in that cheap seeker deck that this would be the card that's useful to have in because you don't have to invest too much in it and you can use that then to boost the stats because you've got leftover resources i'm running hyper awareness in my ursula deck because it boosts the two stats intellect and agility that she wants to lean on and i found particularly if i'm making money with dr milan it's useful to have something to invest that that money in or those resources in particularly in fact to land those evades if you're you're evading an alert enemy and you don't want the, that retaliatory hit being able to just go to say three up to make that a little bit more comfortable or as high up as you need to go is good so yeah this this potentially could sneak into that deck beyond that yeah i can't think i can't think too much else where it might go but it's nice i think my comments about the last talent are the same for this one it rounds out what your options are for upgrading if you're going a resource boosting route you can do that Woohoo! and next is barricade now this is one that i think peter inadvertently <laughs> spoiled to me but i don't know anything about the deal straight away i can see i think the icons are the same willpower intellect agility it's zero cost which is the same three xp this time though and it's a seeker event it's insight and tactic traded attached to your location non-elite enemies cannot move into or spawn at attached location each time an enemy would spawn at attached location spawn it at a connecting location instead if able when an investigator leaves attached location discard barricade hmm well 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 i'm pretty sure that enemies could still spawn at your location in the level zero barricade and it was just that they couldn't move in which meant that if you combine barricade with hiding spot that was a useful way of protecting yourself because you could still be sort of dropped on from above so if that's the case that means that this has got a slight nudge for strength which is that it's not just that you know that there's a hunting enemy out there that you want to protect against but you can also say i just i need to stay here for a turn getting clues and if i draw an enemy in the encounter phase it's gonna mythos phase rather it's gonna really ruin my plan you move into that location and last action you play the barricade for nothing apart from the action and then you know that you're going to have at least one turn's grace and more than that if it's a place that you need to stay put the only thing you're worried about is elite at that point or you leaving okay i mean turret min gets a big boost min seems to be on my mind that's that's yeah that's a nice step up for that next up is hard knocks zero cost two xp two combat two agility same deal I mean, this in a Skids deck, when he can start to be rolling in resources, or in a Jenny deck, get this down pretty quickly. At least for combat boosts, it's a, a cheap investment to do that. I've been playing physical training in Jenny when I've been doing streetwise for two stats and then physical training for the rest. But maybe if I had the spare XP and she can get the XP with the medallion or with the obol, maybe this is just a useful way of making your resources go even further. Yeah, nice. Art stays cool. Oh, okay. And the next card is Hot Streak, but it's the 2xp version. So this is a downgrade for rogues. Normally Hot Streak is 4xp and uh, 3 resources gain 10. This is 2xp. It has a willpower icon instead of a wild icon, interestingly, and it costs 5. So pay 5, gain 10. It's still a pretty favourable exchange, doubling your money. It does require you to have that pool of resources. 
But with five resources, you can still play this first action to just gain another five, which is nice. I think the other thing that's worth thinking about with this is that Finn Edwards can't take Hot Street level four because he can only take illicit zero to five and it's uh, rogue XP cards is just zero to three, but he could take this. So if you wanted Finn to have that big rogue burst money that most rogues are used to, that would be an option. I think the other thing I found with Hot Street level four is that often I find it, it crowds out what I want to do in a deck because it's such a strong card if you're doing any kind of resource-based strategy paying to win with Hard Knocks or any of these other cards. So a way of maybe taking a step towards that without investing your first 8 XP in Hot Streak might be nice. And then as you get a bit more XP on, you could then lean into that extra uh, discount to get even more resources and the world icon. It's a possibility, certainly. Next is Arcane Studies. Still the same. Zero cost, 2 XP, 2 willpower to intellect and the same one for one boosting now mystics can be really loaded and there are very few cards that allow boosting of willpower by paying resources so grounded only allows you to boost willpower for spells and the spirit of thame is a tap for spells blood pact is using doom to boost for spells renfield is using doom to boost willpower if you want just a rounded way of boosting intellect and willpower, Arcane Studies is pretty strong. And saving that those two resources might be pretty decent in a deck that can run rich, but can also be quite pressurised about resources. I've been playing Mateo recently and finding that if I don't see Uncaged the Soul, I can be in quite hot water when I'm trying to get Right of Seeking and Shriveling down and maybe a Holy Rosary and you know all of the other odds and sods that you want to get down. So yeah, that's nice. Oh, next it's Mindwipe level 3. Nice. So Mindwipe is a level 1 mystic card. Gosh, what are the icons on Mindwipe level 1? I don't know. This has a willpower and a combat icon. I'd guess that it's gained a combat icon if I had to. It was definitely a 1-cost spell, so that stayed the same, but it's 3 XP now. Fast, play after a phase begins. Choose a non-elite enemy at your location. Until the end of the phase... Reduce the chosen enemy's damage and horror values by one, and treat its printed text box as if it were blank, except for traits. Okay, so that is just the the, the additional part here is the reduce the chosen enemy's damage and horror values by one. That didn't exist on Mindwipe level one, I'm pretty sure. It just blanked the text box. With this version, you could maybe think about some cleverer shenanigans then of making an enemy like, say, a conglomeration of spheres not eat melee weapons, but also not hurt you as you drag it around the Clover Club and you know not hurt your compatriots who pull it off you, move it around, hit it with their machete. So potentially you have a chance for really manipulating an enemy if you've mind-wiped them. It's also worth noting that this in the context of Arcane Research is quite interesting. If you're running Arcane Research, you can pay one for the first Mind Wipe, and then you would be paying two to upgrade to this, but you'd get a one XP discount, so you only pay one to upgrade. So you can get this card for two XP over two scenarios, which is nice-ish. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Mind Wipe because I found it to be... to the, the situations where it has real strength 
are also quite rare and you need to almost play into those situations and I haven't found myself inclined to play that way. This opens up a bit of space with how you would use the card but it is a hefty investment at 3 XP. So yeah, I'd be really interested to see if it maybe sneaks in as a one-off in some people's decks and they start pulling off some pretty balmy plays with it that allow you know an enemy to be dragged all the way over to the other side of a map. You know, maybe even something like... um using this on a vengeance enemy to kill it and it'll end up in the discard pile rather than in the victory display. That could be useful. Pop it on a boa constrictor, say. That'd be pretty nice. Okay, and we're through to survivor cards. Yeah, I thought this would be a pretty slim first look. The first survivor card is Dig Deep. Two willpower, two agility icons, zero cost, two XP, the same spending of resources. Dig Deep is probably the talent I've use the least of the core set stat boosters. I I always liked the look of it in Wendy to make her really defensive, but I found that I never really used it. I often found with willpower tests with Wendy, I would just take them on the chin. If I got a really horrible result, I'd redraw it, and I wouldn't really invest my resources in boosting. So I can't see it sneaking into that. You could maybe put it in a really defensive Ashkampit build, or maybe this could sneak into, I was going to say, an Agnes deck but she's got so many other things she wants to invest in yeah this is a card that i'd love to see the deck that this works really well in calvin maybe a non-dark horse calvin or even a dark horse calvin where you want to get a discount as well it makes no sense no i'm not sure but like it rounds out the the group and there's bound to be a great deck with it sometime Ooh, interestingly lola could take all of these slightly anti-synergistic with her improvisation, which allows her discount when she plays cards, but you could potentially have a really cheap way of setting up to boost stats as long as you could change roles efficiently. And finally, man, this is a fun card. This is Rabbit's Foot level 3, which was already announced, but I just think it's great. So it's one cost asset, 3 XP with the wild icon. It takes up the accessory slot. They claimed it would bring me good luck. I wouldn't say that's true, but now I feel like it would be even worse luck to get rid of it. And it has a reaction. It's item and charm traded. After you fail a skill test, exhaust Rabbit's Foot, search the top X cards of your deck for a card, draw it, and shuffle the remaining cards into your deck. X is the amount you failed by. Rabbit's Foot level 0 is draw a card for failure, and it's one of the strongest cards in the game, I would say. The reason for that is not because you want to put it in a deck and then plan to fail, but because it provides you with a bonus for failure. And failure is inevitable in this game. You cannot have a... Well, unless you're incredibly lucky, the likelihood is that the longer you keep drawing from the Chaos Bag, there will come a time when you get an unlucky pull. And because the tentacle's in the bag, unless you're doing some crazy tentacle mitigation strategy, there will come a time when you fail, even though you were... 10 over the test. It was actually, it was really good actually. I taught my nephew Arkham just at the weekend that's just passed. We played with two beginner decks, which I'm going to talk about later in the episode. He's 10 years old. He's played a bunch of board games with me before, but not really any card games. Doesn't like shuffling cards, so I help him with shuffling. We threw these decks together. I was showing him how to play. I got him to read to me the the phases of the turn and what actions you can take. You know, those two little guide cards thanks uh, Andy for that tip with keeping them on the table and we were talking about skill tests and taking tokens out of the bag and he said to me 
So you're saying I could always fail? I said, yeah, there's always a chance of failing. He said, even if I'm 10 over? I said, yes. Even if I'm 100 over? I said, yeah, there is that chance. So that's that's baked into the game. And a 10-year-old picks that up really quickly. And I, I like that it's really apparent. You know, kudos to my nephew. So building to fail is definitely something to avoid I think but accepting that you will fail is good if you fail one test having played rabbit's foot you get a card if you fail two you're already up ahead then you've got a second card I guess if you consider an action and a card and a resource all the same you need to anyway it can get very complicated in that way but that's all well and good that's just the level zero version this version gives you a filtered drawer as well so you take a rotting remains test as willpower three you draw tentacle and you're taking three horror but you also get to look at three cards and pick which one you take now particularly that stands out for me in calvin where early in a scenario your stats are going to be very low so you're going to be failing by probably two to three on almost any test you take until you've built up a bit of damage and horror and this version of Rabbit's Foot will be rewarding you for those failures by allowing you not just to draw cards, but to select the pieces you want. That opportunity to select, I'm gesticulating madly at the microphone at the moment, but that opportunity to select a card, I think can be the difference between success and failure in certain scenarios. I've just been playing a Silas using Eureka as one of his cards, and the times when I've had a hand clogged with intellect and willpower icons and I know I'm coming up to combat and I've just wished I had more combat icons and I can then do an investigation, commit Eureka, pass the test, look at the top three cards and find that combat icon that I've been looking for that will make me feel a little bit more comfortable going into a fight. The times that that's happened, just playing three or four scenarios with him, it's probably multiple times per scenario and maybe that's because I'm a terrible deck builder and maybe I've also been piloting Silas wrong but having filtered draw is incredible this is a card game where if you can't get the cards you need you will fail so yeah rabbit's foot super strong really excited to play it may well be putting it in all of my red decks very soon But don't go away, listener, because joining me on the line now, it's... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm very on edge. As you know, I've had a, an epic race across Scotland. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you're pretty lucky that I'm actually here, you know, and not melted into a puddle on the pavement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for racing to be here. It's... um. To the listener, this will just sound like it's just the two of us chatting away normally, but they won't know that your clothes have fallen off in your race to get here. <laughs> that's right, yeah. You know, sort of, yeah. And which is nice because it's it's quite cool now. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So this is a section that has never been called this before, but I am now naming Peter's perspective. <laughs> okay. So I've just looked at the player cards of Return to Night of the Zealot and. We've talked briefly about them, but I hadn't looked at them yet, so I couldn't give you too many of my thoughts. But it would be really useful to hear some of your thoughts about these cards, because they're quite an interesting bunch, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know what you think either yet, because I've, I've only just got here. <laughs> so yeah. the, the listener is fully aware that I'm about, of what you thought, and I'm about to repeat all your thoughts back to you, I'm sure, because we are of one mind. Okay, well, that'd be good. Yeah, that that'd be nice for the listener to see that it's... Yeah, it's uh, a joint. 
<laughs> mind that we're sharing. Just the one brain cell between us. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to look at all the cards, or are there some that you want to focus on, or what or do you do you want to do it? Uh, I want you to tell me first what you think of these five talents, because they all do exactly the same thing, and it's just a, a two-cost, two-icon change, and that's yes. it. Did well, you do you have and my position was like that's well don't don't, don't tell me that round out a deck. whoa 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 don't know oh. what you think Frank. <laughs> I I think it's nice ish no um, <laughs> I, well I think what's interesting is that it's a contrast to the other five cards well okay so very briefly I think the other five cards and we'll go into more detail on this in a minute I think the other five cards are maybe cards that aren't played as much uh, especially mm. now with the more mature card pool. And I think some of the, I'll say flaws in inverted commas, but the limitations of those cards are more apparent now and why they're not used in decks is more apparent. So it's interesting looking at these new versions of those to see how they compare. People who might not take them in the past might want to take them now. The talents, on the other hand, I think they're the exact opposite. I think people who already like the talents, the corset talents, might quite like these. So I think they're a really nice upgrade to the the corset cards. That reduction of two in the the cost, I think, is is a big tempo gain. You know, you might hesitate to throw one of these down in the first few turns where you need that money to keep you going. Now you don't have any hes- hesitation doing that. And if you consider it, you've instantly got a plus one to two tests for the same amount of resources. If you get what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. I never made that point exactly, but that is the kicker, isn't it? The yeah. two resources you've saved can immediately be invested in tests. And then the other thing is that because you probably want two of these talents, if, if you're using these talents, quite often you want two of them in your deck, so you get them down. But the other one is just dead weight because you, you, you absolutely can't play it. And there's only one icon on there. There's, I mean, there's two icons, but you only get plus one to one test which isn't great when you've already got the talent down that gives you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the double, I think it's a really good card to have those icons on as well because you've put this talent in your deck because you want those skills boosted. So having one card that is boosts to two different stats that you want is really good as well. Yeah. I think I think that feeling of like, oh, I've drawn this, but it's too late in the scenario to play it. It's much nicer to have drawn a a pair of icons rather than a single icon, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look at cards like like Uncaged the Soul uh, is a great example. Mm. But it's, you know, if you draw yeah. that too late to play any spells, it's got the two willpower icons on there. Um, and it's just lovely looking at them there, the two willpower, willpower icons. So I think these talents, for me, they don't necessarily do anything to persuade people who didn't already like them. You still need money to boost your, your stats. And you're limited in, obviously, what stats you can use. But if you did like them, I think you really like these upgrades. The issue is fitting in that two experience spend amongst everything else you've got to spend experience on. Yeah. Well, and I think within the environment of return, that maybe that's where they're useful as well. If this is a box that someone picks up fairly early on, it's, I think, that pay to win style of play is one that is quite easy to grasp early on if you're learning how to play the game you get one of these down you put your resources into passing tests so this is a nice investment yeah absolutely yeah okay should we look at one of the other cards yeah yeah well i mean you said that you thought that the other cards ones that weren't played too much but what about hot streak i feel like that's a 
a well-played card? Is it not yeah, played well, that much? That would be my one exception. Every time I said to you, I think all the cards are fairly un- underplayed cards, with one exception. And I think that's what's uh, hard That is the exception. Okay. But it, the, the fact it's now a level 2 card gives it a new lease of life in investigators who couldn't take it previously. So, mm-hmm. you know, namely Leo, Finn, and uh, Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think money cards are welcome in all of those decks. It's certainly in archetypes you can build in each of those investigators. Uh, they like their money. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously it pales in comparison to the level four streak, but I think it's quite nice when you're building a deck that you're going to include hot streak in eventually to go two level two hot streak and then two level four hot streak rather than one level four hot streak and then another level four hot streak. Mm. Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. 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 I'm actually just thinking as you were talking then, I mentioned earlier uh, teaching my nephew Arkham. I didn't mention what he said about your deck, but one of the things he said afterwards is that he looked through the cards and he was just sort of learning it and he held up emergency cash and he said, Frank, this this is zero cost and you get three resources for it. This is great. Yeah. And I was like, you know, he's not like a, a huge gamer or something, but to have, I like how obvious it is that that's a good deal. And yeah. I feel like even looking at the, the difficulty with Hot Street Level 2 is that there's Hot Street Level 4 to compare it to. And you're like, yeah. well, that one I pay three and I get 10, but this one I have to pay five. But Paying five for ten is still a good bargain. Like double your money first action of the game. It is, yeah. It seems... it, it's, so yeah, it's it's one action for five resources. You're kind of getting plus four resources over the the the, the regular spend and action to gain a to gain a resource. Yeah. The card it's you're also tempted to compare it to is Sure Gamble, not Sure Gamble in Arkham, but Sure Gamble in Netrunner. Which had a similar mm, yeah. action-based economy, so you could always take an action to take a resource, or take a credit rather, in Netrunner. Yeah, you, you're in a sim, and and sure, Gamble, you paid five and you gained nine, and you start the game with five resources, just like you do in Arkham. So the dream situation is you start your turn, start your game, sorry, with Hot Streak two in your hand, and you play it first action. Yeah, but but here, here's an example of where it becomes a bit more difficult, Frank. You're playing uh, as Leo. And you've upgraded mm. to include Hot Streak 2. And in your opening hand, you draw, let's say, a Beat Cop, level 2, and Hot Streak. Mm. There's a possibility yeah. some enemies might hit the table that first round. What do you do? Yeah, and I think you forfeit your reaction ability because it doesn't trigger a tax of opportunity. So you, you give it up on the first turn to get the bigger pool of resources, knowing that you can play the Beat Cop the following turn. Yeah. As long as you don't draw bought in blood, that's yeah. <laughs> that's well, where well, I'm going to yeah, guess yeah. with that. Yeah, you'd still get the deal, you just get it a turn later, as long as you're not playing a scenario that you like need beat cop level 2 <laughs> from, the, from the off. But at the very worst, if you've got Hot Street level 4 in your hand, a turn could be, you know, do something, spend an action, gain a resource, spend an action, gain a resource, gain one in your upkeep, and then you play it at the beginning of the next turn. So you've effectively spent three actions to gain how much money? Eight? No, nine. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so I mean, and, and nice. th- that's not yeah. bad. That's like paying three caches. But with this, if you're down at kind of zero or one resource, getting up to five to play it is a real struggle, and you you seriously might not be able to do that in the rest of the game. Mm. It makes me think of um, Dynamite Blast. Weirdly. The level zero dynamite blast, 
that sometimes I've had situations where I've had that in my hand and I've had a beat cop or a 45 automatic or whatever it is and four or five resources and there's a situation coming up where you think I sort of thought oh this could be a dynamite situation coming up but then I decide to play it safe and play that beat cop or play that automatic so that I've got the extra firepower in a more general sense and Doing that, you have to accept that you're not going to get the chance to play the Dynamite Blast. It's not It's not you will be able to play it later. It's, the scenarios aren't long enough. And yeah. this might be a similar thing, that if you get it late in a scenario, you can probably you've played um, you know, sneak attacks and backstabs and emptied your hand, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to get to that point now. But what's interesting is that the, the card... So, so you might plan to play maybe one, possibly two, five-cost card during the course of your your, your game. Right, so you might be able to get mm. one or two brothers Avias down amongst everything else you need to play, but this card flips it on the head because it costs five to play, but obviously once you've played it, you've got more money. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you manage to get it early, you know you could be set up with resources for quite some time to come after it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a, it's a really interesting card, and it I think it it doesn't have any icons. Is that right? I don't have it in front of me. It's a willpower icon. A willpower. Oh, so okay, the right. level that, four that is right. level four is a wild, right? And this so it weirdly it changes icon from a willpower to a wild between the levels. Which is kind of, yeah, kind of nuts. So leaving hot streak to one side, you suggested that the others were cards that maybe weren't being played as much, and that this would give them a new lease of life. And I think that's definitely the case for mind wipe and for barricade, like that their stock, I think, has risen and made me think about those cards again. So maybe we don't need to touch on them or Rabbit's Foot. But Dynamite Blast, we had a bit of a conversation about off the air, and it's probably worth hearing what you think about it. My position is that a Dynamite Blast that doesn't provoke a tax opportunity is really strong. Yes, I'm in exactly the same position as you. So there's been quite a bit of chat about Dynamite Blast on the Reddit and uh, on the Discord since, since we've seen what it does. Uh, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's easy to look at it and say, right, one one cost saving, it, that's no big shakes. I'm, I'm, I don't fancy paying to experience just for a one cost saving. And I think it's it's maybe easy to miss that that bottom line is in there. Because yeah. I also think yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, if you're a newer player, it's, it's, there's, it's a subtlety that's easy to miss in using the card that you do take a tax opportunity. But yeah. actually, it, it's yeah. one of the big limiting factors of that card because... You know, it, it's all very well and good being able to use it if you've got a couple of enemies or three enemies at a connecting location. But I think that situation happens a lot more rarely than having a lot of enemies at your location. Yeah. And now we've yeah. also got a tool in On the Hunt to spawn more enemies at your location deliberately because it's something some characters want to do. Mm, yeah. So so that limitation of you took a tax opportunity, if there's, say, two or three enemies at your location and they're engaged with you which you kind of hope they would be because then you're not dealing damage to the other investigators there. You could It could be lethal to play it. You might just not be able to play it without dying. And at that point, you just play I'll see you in hell instead. <laughs> nice, yeah. For, for yeah. added cool points. You're just like explosive whichever way you go. That's it, yeah. Yeah. We talked, I didn't mention this earlier, but we actually talked about testless damage in Guardian. And if you took the damage from the Dynamite Blast on Brothers Avia... You could do another two damage to one enemy at your location. So you could kill yeah, a couple of two yeah. health enemies with the blast and kill a five health enemy if you put the three damage on Xavier, who also blew up, which is 
is kind of crazy. That's for no tests and for nine resources if you've yeah. got everything set up. And, and then if you look at the kind of situation where you have... So three health enemies are always really awkward, right, aren't they? Because yeah. Yeah, your, yeah. Your, your machete attacks will do two damage. So if you have two, three health enemies on you, you can't clear, clear them off in a turn. And then you're taking an attack at the end of the turn. Mm. Dynamite Blast, that situation becomes really straightforward because it's one action... You're, you're trading two actions and whatever one of the enemies was going to hit you for for, th- for three damage on yourself and four resources, which I think is a really good... That's a really good trade uh, if you're surrounded. Yeah. I think a good card to compare it to now, and I, I made this point on Reddit, actually, is Storm of Spirits. And if we... Oh, yeah. Briefly, yeah. You, didn't, you didn't mention this in, in your first look. No, at you. no, okay, no, right. no. So this, this no. is an authentic Peter Hot take. So if you compare it directly to Storm of Spirits... Storm of Spirits costs three. You take a test, and it does two damage everything at your location. With Dynamite, it's it's costs one more Dynamite level two rather. It it costs one more and obviously two experience. It does one more damage, so it does three damage rather than two, and it doesn't require a test to use it. Uh, and there are some occasions where that's a downside. So you might want to be taking a test if you're benefiting from skill cards or say double or nothing. Or like Vicious Blow, if you wanted to add in, or Home Front, if you're Mark Harrigan, if you wanted to add in additional points of damage, if you're doing Dynamite Blast testlessly, you won't be able to do that. Yeah, naturally, yeah, yeah. And obviously it deals damage to yourself as well, so... Mm, yeah, that, that's not well, and it, like Storm of Spirits, where if you pull one of the special tokens, you do a damage to every location at your... every investigator at your location, Dynamite Blast is three damage, irrespective of a token. Yes, exactly, yeah. So I think it, it, it stacks up well to Storm of Spirits. I think the other thing is that, unlike Storm of Spirits, it's a Guardian card. So there are a couple of Guardians who can take mm. Storm of Spirits. But in the main, you're now in a faction that has cards like Taunt. You know, that yeah. is far better at engaging all the enemies at a location and then dealing with them. Uh, and, you know, if you're if you're Roland, you can use stuff like Shortcut as well, which is a fantastic use of this card. So I think it fits into a toolbox with that kind of guardian really really well and it's a card i i'd probably pick up maybe pick up as a one-off in a guardian deck especially in a Roland mm. deck i think strong one-off i think strong so, one-off yeah okay i've got to jump in on something as well because you've gone down the same line that i went down which is taunt and dynamite blast is good but obviously there isn't a way of getting rid of the other investigators at your location yeah unless you use them like and shortcut yeah Shortcut is a great example, but then, of course, it just made me think of... Do you remember we were talking to Matt about movement? And in Forgotten Age, there might be more movement for all of the factions, and we've already seen Mists of Relaire, which allow a Mystic to evade with their willpower and get a move. And I'm pretty sure it was on the record with him, wasn't it, when we were talking about the Guardian with, like, a push card? Yeah, yeah, or push him into the way of the enemy. Yeah, but this would be great, right? You taunt all the enemies to yourself, you push your body out of the room... Yeah, and then you blow the dynamite blast up, or maybe they're, so they're in the, the room. Only one taking the damage, if they're in the room, and then they use elusive to to move away from the location, mm-hmm. yeah. drop the enemies. Yeah, I, I I really like it. I think it's it's a really really good upgrade. I think it seems quite subtle, but I think it's it makes it much much more potent. It's nice as well that it's a tactic. Whack it on, stick to the plan. Yes, yes, like, absolutely. It yeah. makes running one-off tactics in Guardians so much stronger anyway, because yeah. you can guarantee finding them and you can guarantee that they're not going to get in the way of your deck. Yeah. It doesn't sit in your hand. So yeah. Is that all the cards we want to talk about? Yeah, I think so. I'm looking forward to hearing what you say, Frank. So 
hopefully I'll get a chance to listen back to that at some point soon. Yeah, I'll put the episode up soon. But before we go, we've got another little community announcement, right? We have indeed, yeah. So I've been working, I want to say hard today. I've sort of mainly been reading on how to do things that are relatively straightforward. (laughs) What we've done is we have set up a Discord server for Drawn to the Flame. This is connected to our Patreon. So if you are a patron of our podcast, thank you very much. You're amazing people, all of you, without exception. You will automatically have access to our patron and it will transfer your all of your tier information across. So whatever tier you're, you're supporting us at, it will transfer that across to the Discord. And then you can go in and then you can chat with the other people who are, you know, listening to the podcast. We're going to be in there quite a bit, talking about decks mm-hmm. and stuff like that as well. It's a bit more of an informal way for us to uh, communicate with the people who listen to us. Frank, for people who have no idea what it is, what is Discord? Maybe we should have asked that quote, that question first. No, let's dive in. Yeah, Discord is a voice and text messaging program. You can sign into it just in a browser, in a web browser. You can have it as an app on your phone. You can also have it as an app on your computer. And it's sort of a little bit like a message board. And you can also use it to phone people if you want to. So it sprung up that, you know, gaming communities wanted ways of having voice chat with each other, I think. But it's then just a really useful way. It's almost like a a message board, right? It's a bit like a sort of threads in Facebook or anywhere else. Yeah, like an old um, IRC style chat, just a Kind yeah, of a big exactly. Pattern. And the the nice thing about Discord is you can join different servers and servers can be as big or as small as you want them to be. So I'm part of a server that there's four members and it's a, a role play group that I was in like half a decade ago and <laughs> it's now silent. And then I'm also in servers for a couple of games where there are thousands of people in them. And you can change the settings within a server to see how much you get told about what's going on or not. So you don't have to be sort of pinged by notifications, but it is just a nice a nice way of, of keeping in touch with people and seeing what people have said to each other. So we actually met on Discord, yeah, we but met on, on the, the Mythos Busters Discord. Do you want to tell the listeners right, yeah. a, a sort of a little bit about that? Well, so Mythos, Mythos Busters are the other, the other podcast. Uh, they're mm. American guys who used to do uh, some Lord of the Rings podcasts or Lord of the Rings card mm. game. Uh, podcast and i'm sure scott who was on the show would be gutted if we didn't point out that he was canadian which oh, i no. guess is north american oh, and okay. he did the Co- conquest podcast as well not Lord oh, of the Rings. so okay right sorry yeah. I, I was i would just always assume he's like more... a failure in fitting into that category entirely and <laughs> generally a, the a dreadful out. human being yeah well wherever they're from they're from the other side <laughs> the other side of the ocean and they're always awake when i'm going to bed yeah <laughs> so they have a really expansive uh, discord server with loads of people chatting about it and if you are wanting to get more involved with the community i can't recommend joining that that server at, you know enough um we'll put a link on our discord what we'll be using our discord for is more kind of low-key patron announcements or maybe if you're you only want to dip your toe into an online community you don't want to be there with hundreds of other people chatting about cards mm. it's a bit more low-key so you know you can just say hello to us on there and that's it, if you want, and lurk in the background. And we're going to try and be cautious about spoiling cards as well on there. Yeah. So if you've not yet got your new pack, it shouldn't be too sort of terrifying a place where everyone's already theorising about the latest cards and things like that. It's going to be a much 
It's like the kitchen in a house party, right? Yeah, it's exactly. a smaller yeah. room. Yeah, we're a lot more than nerds are. You know. So just to briefly run down, as of the 20th of June, so it's, it's live now, so you can go on and join it. Uh, if you're if you're a patron backer, you should be. If you go into Patreon, you can link your patron to the the Discord. If you have any tro- problems with that, let me know. Um, I can send you an invite, and then I can add your role on manually. So yeah, if, if you have any problems, let us know. There's probably a way we can figure it out. If you get a Discord account and have a patron account, you can link them too easily. If you don't want to link them, let me know, and I'll just invite you to the server and add your role manually. But yeah, as of the 28th of June, uh, and the podcast should be going out fairly soon because it's a first look. Uh, mm-hmm. I've set up, there should be six channels in the server. There's three more just general chit-chat ones, uh, which are the open chat channels. So there's the announcements, which at the moment everyone can read, even if they're not a, a backer. As long as they're just in the server, they can read that. There's the hearth, or the hearth, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. That's a general chat, and there's no spoilers in there. And then there's the spoils, which will be everything up to and including the most recent pack. Uh, so if you if you're not play if you're not up to date, stay out of that channel. But that that's that's the only spoiler channel we've got, right? So if you've got any spoilers at all mm. or you want to talk about scenarios, take it over there. And then we've also got three cool private patron channels. The patron announcements, which will be if we're having events and stuff, we'll put them in there. Patron questions, so for people who have a tier which lets them ask us questions for us to answer on the show. You can post in there. And then there's the Dectrospective. You'll have to explain that na- name to me at some point, Frank, because I don't quite get it. Um, I don't either. I think you came up... I thought you came up with it, but you keep trying to pin it on me. Not. No, nothing to do with me. That, that, at the moment, that's being used for deck advice. Um, but that will be... Because we're planning on doing episodes where we talk through someone's deck, and actually we've got one to talk about. Mm. So thank you, yeah. the person who sent us that, and we will get to it as soon as we can. But yeah, that's what that channel will be used for as well. So that's where we are at the moment. Have I I covered everything there, Frank, all the key points? Yeah, perfectly. Really good. Come and join us. Come say hi. If people want to say hi to you on the Discord, Frank, what's your your username? My username is Zooey Glass. And if people want to say hi to you on the Discord, Peter, Uh, what's your username? I'm United. I'm United. That was very smooth and natural. (laughs) Cool. I'm United everywhere as well, so it's easy to remember. So I'm United on... Reddit and Twitter and everything as well. So yeah, and I'm around the places. Zoe Glass will say so. Well, I hope this has been a nice extended first look. Peter, thank you so much for rushing home to do this. And yeah, let us know what you think on the Discord, guys. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye.